Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. We're extremely fortunate to have Commissioner Diane Grunick as our lunchtime keynote speaker today. She is a leader in energy in California, which automatically makes her a leader in the country and in the, indeed the world in energy. In fact, she started 30 years ago in this area on the Energy Commission, writing the state's first energy efficiency uh, building standards, the Title 24 code. So she's been doing this for a long time and has just a tremendous perspective to share with us today. She was appointed in January 2005 by Governor Schwarzenegger for a six-year term, and one of her focus areas is in energy efficiency. She also led the establishment of the California Renewable Energy Transmission Initiative, as well as the Western Renewable Energy Zone Initiative. She serves on the United States Department of Energy Electricity Advisory Committee, and she's going to talk to us today uh, about the next generation energy efficiency in California. And she uh, has graciously left plenty of time for questions, so please, after her talk, don't be shy about raising your hand. Commissioner Grunick. Great. Well, I'm very pleased to be here, and of course, this is such a wonderful setting. I um, am going to talk a little bit about, um, as Dan said, where we're going with energy efficiency in California, and then maybe a little bit about how I think that's fitting in with some of the national and international efforts. But I, I really want to say this is such an exciting and important time to be involved in energy efficiency that, um, as Dan said, I've been doing it for three decades now, and I have never seen so much momentum and interest and opportunities. So I'm really pleased to see all of you spending these couple of days learning about, thinking about, interacting, because um, we're all part of what's actually now a very important movement on, on really making energy efficiency the bedrock of where we're going with energy and, frankly, climate change. I also want to congratulate the University of Santa Barbara on founding this institute that we desperately need places in the academic world that are working very closely with the real world on moving us ahead in energy efficiency. We know a lot, but there's a lot more that we have to know, learn, understand, and implement. And really having a place with the caliber of this university saying this is going to be a focal point is tremendously important. So congratulations on the Institute. All right, now I have the magic mic, so I'm going to be able to move everything. Um, I'm going to start off with the challenge that we face. So those of you who didn't think that we had lots of work ahead of us, um, we do. This is a chart that illustrates what needs to be done under California's global warming law. We in government in California are very proud that California took global warming seriously. Our legislature enacted, our governor has signed California's specific global warming law. We're, of course, very, very pleased that it looks like we're going to have a law at the federal level, but whether or not we have a law at the federal level, we will have a law at the state level. If you look on the um, left-hand side, 
These are 1990 emissions, and the average per capita carbon emissions for, for people in California was about 14.2 tons. There, under our California law, there are a couple of key dates. One is if you look at 2020. That is where by 2020 we have to have our emissions statewide down to where they were in 1990. And that has to account for our population growth. Because global warming is a real thing, you don't get a, you know, ticket uh, to pass go because your population is increasing. You have to then be ratcheting down your per capita emissions as the number of people in the state grow. And this will be true everywhere in the world. So we in California, by law, have to have our per capita emissions average about 9.6 by 2020. You know, that sounds doable. We work hard. We're very aggressive. But here's, to me, actually the frightening part. Look at the far right-hand number, and that says 2050. The per capita emissions, based upon what we project for population growth in California, would need to be at 1.4 tons per person. So in other words, we are using in our own lives, in our buildings, everywhere in the entire California economy, about one-tenth of the amount of carbon emissions that we were use, that we were emitting in 1990. So that is really the stage that I wanted to give you and for you to understand just how important energy efficiency is going to be to achieve what are legal requirements in California. And as we move at the federal level towards having a federal law, certainly this is a sort of um, movement we're going to have to see at, throughout the entire United States. So here is what is the snapshot of what we're doing in the utility programs in California right now. I am a commissioner at the California Public Utilities Commission. We oversee and regulate the state's investor-owned utilities, which is Southern California Edison, Sempra, and Pacific Gas and Electric up north. Um, they collectively account for about 80% of the electric load, the electricity, the natural gas in the state. I have the great honor of being the lead commissioner on the energy efficiency programs. I am very proud that with our utilities, California is running the largest, the most successful energy efficiency program in the entire world. But I'm going to be about where do we need to leverage and leapfrog to get to where we need to go on global warming. Here's um, where we're, what we're doing now. And if you can't see the um, small print, the very big part of um, uh, what's depicted on this picture, the light blue, these are the savings from the lighting programs that our utilities are undertaking, which, again, are the most successful in the world. It's incredibly important to deal with lighting. But this, again, you probably can't read the print, but what we're finding is with lighting that we're not actually getting some of the savings that we had projected. And moreover, with the lighting, you're really only getting a piece of that picture. And so what we are really looking at in California is what is the world behind a lighting program that is focused on the compact fluorescent light replacements? So we, we stepped back in California about a year and a half ago, and we said we need to revision step back and think strategically 
where can we go with energy efficiency beyond the most immediate actions, which as you saw with that, were let's change out an incandescent light bulb with a compact fluorescent light bulb. And what we said is that we want to go beyond the short-term savings. We want to find out how we're going to be having long-term long savings. We also said that we want to really look at what are we going to be doing comprehensively in, in the world of energy efficiency. And we talked about a term that we use now, market transformation, which is we have to change how we are building buildings, how we are using buildings, how we are using our appliances, how we are using all sorts of things so that energy efficiency is what I call the way of life that we heard this morning when we were talking about the servers. You know, that's an example of just saying instead of having our current stage, which is inefficient equipment and inefficient heating is the way of life, it is transformed into this is the way we do things. We are very efficient in every level of how we are consuming and using electricity and natural gas. So what we ended up doing was we developed, and my commission has formally adopted, along with our sister agency, the Energy Commission, a strategic plan for energy efficiency in California. It is the first written plan that the government has ever had on where we're going with energy efficiency. We are currently spending through ratepayer money, and for those of you who are um, uh, get your electric or natural gas service from Southern California Edison, San Diego Gas and Electric, SoCal Gas, or PG&E, there's a small charge on your um, electricity or natural gas bill, and that then funds these programs. We're currently spending through the utility programs about a billion dollars a year. We pride ourselves that the average rule of thumb is that we are saving about $2 billion a year because we're not building more, co more costly power plants, more costly transmission lines, distribution. So out of that $2 billion that we save a year, about a billion dollar goes to pay for the cost of these programs, for the subsidies that can buy down the cost of the light bulb, that can help businesses who want to be installing insulation and lighting measures and the like. But then a billion dollars stays in the California economy. So one of the messages with energy efficiency is it's just the smart thing to do economically. And we have demonstrated that in California because, as I said, through our very aggressive energy efficiency programs over 30 years, we've been able to keep billions and billions of dollars in the California economy. So what does the roadmap say? As I said, we spent about a year developing it. We brought together um, all sorts of experts. We broke thing, things down into collaborative working groups. And the plan has ended up with chapters in the report in each of the areas. We took the four major end-use areas, the residential, including low-income, the commercial, the industrial, and the agriculture. And then we also did seven what we call cross-cutting areas, um, codes and standards, workforce training, marketing education, local government, to also think about what needs to be done there. This is the roadmap now that we are going to be using in California for where we're going with energy efficiency. 
we, we wanted to use it not just to guide short-term decisions by agencies such as mine and by the Energy Commission and by our Air Resources Board who's going to be implementing our climate change law, but we also wanted to provide guidance and help to the private sector so that companies and businesses in California could see some of the vision and help us in developing that vision of where we're going to be going. And that's where I want to talk about with the bodies like the Institute and the type of focus that you're going to be putting in, um, this can really help us collectively get to where we want to go and where we need to go. So this is um, one of the other things that we did when we adopted the um, strategic plan was that we sat back and said, okay, we know we're going to push in every single area, but let's pick some areas where we want to be what we call big bold. We want to just say, here is a really stretch goal, but let's make it happen. And I will say that one of the areas that we did consider were data centers, which was talked about this morning, but frankly, when I heard the information on that, I, I ended up thinking, well, we do have these wonderful companies like Google, like Microsoft, who are heavily invested thinking about the efficiency. I bet they're going to do a great job and, you know, we'll help them, but there's already tremendous leadership going on there, and that's what we heard this morning. So we have now formally adopted at a government level in California a commitment in each of these four areas. Two of them are on the concept of zero net energy buildings. And I um, want to um, uh, just call out to um, UTC, who I know is involved with the Institute, that they were actually um, the folks that first helped me even understand that concept. And it really is that when you build buildings, you build them as efficiently as you can. And then for the residual power usage, you're looking to renewable resources either within the building or nearby in the community. I'm not going to go into a lot of information on this because I suspect you're going to be hearing more about it over the next um, day and a half, but buildings, when you think about it, they are a tremendous user of electricity and natural gas, and as a result, they actually are responsible for a huge proportion of our greenhouse gas emissions. And so this is something not just in California, not just nationally, but worldwide, there is a huge effort of thinking about buildings and how do we make them more efficient, how do we make them smarter so that they are using less energy. So we have said at a leadership level in California, we're going to tackle being part of the group of people who are working on getting our buildings to zero net energy. We have a goal on the residential side by 2020 and on the commercial side by 2030. And these are, these are part of what are national and international efforts as well. We know in California we're actually not building that many new buildings. But what we decided was that if we put our great expertise, our leadership, our skills, and our resources to be part of what is a larger effort, that can make a difference. And also that we can then use a lot of the information that we're going to be developing on new construction in zero net energy to go in on the retrofits that we need to do with the existing buildings. My personal belief is that this country 
as well as the developed world, needs to embark upon a very serious campaign to go in and retrofit buildings. I believe, honestly, to deal with global warming, we've got to think about that we're going to retrofit just about every building that exists. I mean, we need to prioritize, we need to think about how we're going to do it. But if we're going to get down to what I showed you as the first slide, 1.4 tons of carbon emissions per capita for people in California, that means that we have to basically go into buildings in a massive manner. Um, let me just quickly say the other two big, bold strategies that we have, um, the third one is on HVAC, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. And this is really focused on air conditioning in particular. We are using a lot more air conditioning everywhere in the world and in California as well. And we know that the air conditioning space is very, very inefficient. And it's a very tough problem to tackle because there's so many different players that are involved. But again, we thought, let's really say as California, we're going to stand up and make it a priority to deal with it. And then the last one is on low income, that we want energy efficiency to be something that everybody benefits from. We don't want it to be, well, if you're middle class or rich, you get it, but if you're poor, you don't. We have, again, I'm very proud in California, the largest low-income energy efficiency programs in the United States. We offer energy efficiency measures at no cost if you meet our income uh, qualifications. And we have now said by 2020, every low-income resident in California who is eligible and who wants to have energy efficiency is going to have it. And we have ramped up our programs and, again, working with terrific people at the utilities as well as in the community-based organizations. I'm very hopeful that we're well on our way to that goal. So here is an example, um, because this is an institute that I, I is going to be focusing on a lot of the research end, I wanted to take a minute. This comes directly from the strategic plan. There is a chapter on um, research and development. And what we have is that we're really looking at, we've got to get more aggressive and frankly, probably have more money on what's going to be spent in California on R&D. We know that we need to both have new technologies as well as expand our existing technologies. And then one of the other findings that we have made in our chapter on R&D is we've got to have greater coordination in the R&D efforts as well. We have the utility programs, we have um, the Energy Commission, we have the universities, we have the private sector. So one of our proposals, we haven't yet implemented it, um, but we really think that we should have a statewide organized California Energy Efficiency R&D Coordinating Council so that we can bring together all of the diverse players who are involved in this very, very important work on R&D. Um, we also are, want to have a much more effective way that we're looking at moving from the concept to the commercialization in R&D. Because we have to move so quickly, so extensively on energy efficiency, we, in my mind, need to rethink the framework. And just as we know in computing, we have the Moore's Law and we are bringing things rapidly, changes. I think that we need to think in the R&D sector how we can have this whole model of going from the R&D and the concept to commercialization and widespread usage to think about it and understand it and vastly compress the time that it does take. 
So here is in the, um, again, in the strategic plan, in the R&D chapter, the specific items on um, uh, R&D or research and technology. We, we have goals and then we have goal results and then we have specific strategies that we have identified that collectively the government sector, the private sector, the utilities all need to be working together on. The first is to refocus um, the R&D efforts to really be creating the demand pull for these um, uh, types of energy efficiency and really be looking at game-changing efforts. And then the other one is to specifically zero in on our big, bold strategies, which is looking at buildings and which is looking at the HVAC industry to really say what is the R&D that is, needs to be done there and have a very specific organized R&D effort in California to really achieve those results as well. So what are going to be the next steps? At my agency, we are in the process of a public proceeding where we are reviewing the utility programs in California. We are reshaping them, working with the utilities, working with interested parties to have them conform more closely to the strategic plan. And that is a decision that we will be issuing this fall. We also now are putting in place task force and working on how are we going to implement some of these areas. As I said, we're, we're really thinking about this, doing it with a stakeholder collaborative effort. And that's why, again, the efforts of all of you are so very important in letting us be moving ahead. We're going to be um, launching in July of this year an energy efficiency web portal. It will be focused on the technical level. We have, in California, the best knowledge of energy efficiency. As I said, we've been doing it successfully for 30 years. But too much of that knowledge is either in written reports or it's on people's computers or it's within people's heads because they've been doing this for a long time. In order to do energy efficiency at the level that we need to do it and to accelerate how we're doing it, vastly beyond what we're doing it now, we've decided we need to use the internet. So we have committed at the state level, again working closely with the utilities, to launch this web portal that is going to be using the best in all the social interactive, building from the bottoms up um, way to be using the internet, but it's going to be the host for where we can now look at energy efficiency technical information. And I'm sure as we are getting into it, we we will be looking for the institute to be involved as well. Um, and we are also working with the Department of Energy on the national level, and our expectation is that we will also link up with China and India because you, we have to have both of those countries embracing energy efficiency on a dramatic level. And again, we look at... In California, we have a lot of expertise, we have a lot of knowledge, and let's be smart about it, let's use the internet so that we don't all get on planes every time we want to communicate with somebody from another country about how we can actually do this stuff. The other one um, that I just mentioned briefly is that this fall we will be launching a statewide um, marketing and branding effort on energy efficiency that, um, as my husband says, he's not in this world at all. He says, what the heck is energy efficiency? Can somebody explain it to me? And so our goal is to really work, again, we, you know, we are the state that have created 
the best known brands in the world, I think. I've got two teenagers, and believe me, they want iPhones, and they had their iPods, and we all know what Google is, and we've got, you know, Apple, and we've just got a host of wonderful brands that have been created, developed, and marketed by people who are in this state. And so my view is if we could do that, we can be the state that figures out how to explain in some way that people think is interesting and exciting what is energy efficiency, why do we do it, and what do we do? And those are the three questions that we're going to be answering through launching this effort this fall. So I just want to um, close by reminding you again um, to keep an eye out on, on the web portal. We have set up a website, easy to remember, CaliforniaEnergyEfficiency.com, and I want to give some um, attribution to San Diego Gas and Electric was very helpful in getting that launched as well as the other utilities. You can get copies of the strategic plan as well as all of the F um, papers and um, discussions that went into it, and this is where we're going to be starting to post some of the materials. So that's, that's really my message that let me just end um, by, again, talking seriously about this, that we have to embrace energy efficiency on a level we just have not embraced it before. And the way we're going to do it is by folks like you who say, I'm going to take this seriously, I'm going to really understand it, and then what we most of all need is for, again, people like you to go out and think, how can I make a difference in this world? You know, how can I create a new technology? How can I think of a way there's an existing technology, but it can be marketed or it can be used by people in a way that it hasn't been used before? How can I be a teacher or a professor and be at an academic institution and teach the next generation about some of these interesting concepts? How can I get involved at a policy level in helping to promote energy efficiency? How can I get involved in the private sector and really help the investment that we need to have develop and flourish? I have really learned, I kept thinking, well, there's somebody else out there that's got this all figured out, and all we need to do is be willing players. There is nobody who's figured out energy efficiency. Yes, it is the thing to do, it's the thing when we do it, we save money. It's the thing that we already know a lot about, and it's going to be the number one tool on addressing global warming. But even with that, it is difficult to do. There are a whole host of challenges, and we're only going to be able to do it if we are absolutely thoroughly committed to doing our best. And even when we run into the barriers and the obstacles and we say, oh my God, what are we going to do? Frankly, we say we're going to do it because we have to. If we don't embrace energy efficiency on a level that has never been embraced to date, we are not going to be able to address climate change and global warming in a way that we need to. So thank you very much. And thank you so much, Commissioner Grunick. Uh, for your inspiring vision and your perspective on this subject, and also for underscoring the need for not only 
the political will and resources to address this issue, such as retrofitting every building. That's a big job. Uh, but also the need uh, for fundamental research and development activities, which is really the core mission of the Institute for Energy Efficiency. So thank you for that commercial <laughs> on our behalf. Uh, at this time, we have, uh, we have time for questions from the audience. Uh, someone in the back here. Hi, Diane. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, probably hundreds of millions of dollars are going to be given out in terms of block grants from the, uh, from the federal government as part of the stimulus package uh, to the cities and towns. Is the CPUC involved in that at all? Um, the, my agency, the California Public Utilities Commission, is not the designated state energy agency. That is our sister um, uh, agency, the California Energy Commission. And I actually think that's a good idea because our hands are full with all the work we're already doing. Um, we are working closely with them because part of what we need to do in California is to basically be on the same page of where we're going with the money. They will be making the decisions. We will not, but we are talking with them, coordinating with them, um, uh, really working through in terms of the strategic plan, where can we both at the Energy Commission, the PUC, the utilities, and local government all be working together. But we are not the agency that will make the ultimate decisions. That, that, that being said, um, I'm, I'm on the like bottom rung of the energy efficiency business. I run the crews that actually like go in at night and change out all those light bulbs. No, you're the top rung. Um, you're making it. <laughs> no, happen. I think it's the bottom <laughs> rung. Um, but like I had a job last summer at uh, North Kern State Prison, and I was supposed to work in three more prisons, but all that was halted by the budget impasse. Um, so there hasn't been any more state of California prison work just to do, I mean, we're like we're talking about um, retrofitting every building. There's just a ton of magnetic ballast and T12 lamps still out there. We like to talk about the, you know, LEDs, but let's just get rid of the magnetic ballast and the T12s and we'll get do that. But at any rate, could you have any insight or inside information on when the money is going to start flowing again from the state? Uh, nothing that is positive. We've all been reading the newspapers. And, it's, you know, we're certainly hoping that some of the stimulus money will help on the state buildings. And um, there obviously is a leadership role for the state to play. I work in a state building. Our building was built 20 years ago. Um, I am certain that if we ever did labeling of buildings in California, my building would have an F. I go into work every day, and I'm either freezing or I am hot, and I am the energy efficiency commissioner. <laughs> you know, I open windows when it's simply the temperature is unbearable. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. Um, and this, again, is where we've got to get together the political leadership, work on the financial side, and, and make a difference, because the, the state buildings in California are not a model, and they need to be. Thank, thank you for the great talk. Uh, we saw a slide earlier today with the, the uh, dashboard of the Prius. Did you see that? 
and it was a, a great little concept about the act of measuring what we're using. And by measuring, we re automatically reduce our consumption. In fact, can even make a game out of it. So I'm just curious, um, uh, where do you stand in terms of helping both consumers and businesses get a better handle on their actual use of energy? You know, easy and, and interactive ways to measure it, perhaps. I think that that's going to be. Um an incredibly exciting area, and those of us involved in this um, are are very hopeful about it. And so we have a we have um, an opportunity, but a major task ahead of us because we've got to get these devices um, into people's homes and businesses. We have to have some education for people to understand what can be done. Uh, we have to really be encouraging and at a government level making sure we're not harming private companies to come in because um, I want there to be you know dozens hundreds of private companies that think that they can make money and I want them to make money because they are helping with these devices and and really having a business model for it um, so this is going to be, I think, an incredibly important area. In, in California, we have actually started to set the stage by, um, uh, again, working with the utilities that we are changing out the meters. We are putting what are called the advanced meters basically in all the um, homes and businesses in California um, so that we have the necessary infrastructure to have the actual data on what is the consumption within that building or within that home be available so that as the technologies develop on the dashboard where you can read things out, um, yeah, it's available. So I'm, I'm very excited about this. Your first slide focused on the uh, tons of carbon per uh, individual. Uh, but you didn't mention nuclear energy in your uh, talk. Do you have a perspective on the role of nuclear energy in your strategic plan? Um, the strategic plan was on energy efficiency. We did not try to address other areas such as renewable, nuclear power, fossil-fired. It really was just focused on energy efficiency. Hi, uh, Mike Rames from Phillips. I wanted to uh, continue what uh, Jeff brought up about the, the inability to act on some of these uh, opportunities we even have now in terms of retrofitting. And you mentioned uh, if we want to really look to 2030, 2050, and, and the goals that are put out there, we're talking about retrofitting every building perhaps in the state. Um, so the financing thing is a big deal. And it seems that there's an opportunity uh, to kind of go after that by uh, way of people's pocketbooks or businesses' pocketbooks by basically creating surcharges. Uh, that if you know the, the 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 like your building for example <laughs> would be charged an, a, a really hefty surcharge and that kind of money can be used to fund those programs and also to fund rebates for people who want to act uh, in terms of energy efficiency and it seems to me that the utilities are very well positioned to do that because they already have the, the channel built up they can go ahead and add these sur surcharges can you say anything about what the state is doing or what this com commission is doing to try to make that happen and finance this whole thing um, you bring up an excellent point that we have to think about in the billions, hundreds of billions, probably trillions of dollars, the amount of money that is going to be needed to do the retrofits. And right now, our mechanisms that we're using, in, you know, 90, 95% of um, uh, the programs and the efforts are 
the traditional way of having a utility um, charge that is assessed to everybody in a utility service area that then is collected in, the, in you know, a pot of money, uh, so to speak, and then it finances particular programs, and then the customer, it pays for part of the cost, and then the customer pays for the other part of the cost. Well, what that model is, is if you as a business, even if you understand I can do a um, uh, energy efficiency retrofit project that could pay itself back through lower um, electric or natural gas bills, say, in three years, my rebate from my utility to get started on the project might only cover 10, 15% of that cost. And I then, as an individual homeowner or a business, need to come up with the other, you know, 90%, 80% right up front to then be able to finance it. And that's, that's tough that every, you know, there's hundreds of studies that have identified that that um, is one of the major barriers to energy efficiency. So we have directed the utilities to expand some of the pilot programs that are going on with on-bill financing, which is basically um, that you can set it up through your utility bill that you are saving money every month because you have done energy efficiency. And instead of having the entire amount of the savings going back to the customer, you can take some portion or all of that to basically pay back what was the cost of the energy efficiency program and not have the customer have to pay the upfront cost because that is such a big hurdle. Um, I'm actually going back to Washington next week because the Federal Department of Energy is having a summit on new business models for energy efficiency financing in the residential sector. And so I'm very excited to start to learn about what are some of the models that are being talked about or experimented with uh, because we really do believe we, we've got to aggressively seek out new models for financing. In, when we did our um, strategic plan, one of the pieces of information, and this, this was done before the recession, before our economic meltdown, was that in the industrial sector in California, in order to proceed with energy efficiency measures, most businesses needed to have a payback period on energy efficiency of six months or less in order for the management to say we're going to go ahead. I personally think that's a little bit short in terms of where as a business you think, you know, you're, you need to have your payback period. But what it told us is that we have a, a vast disconnect between what people see they need to have in order to really say I'm going to make an upfront investment and what the long-term cost savings are. Because we're talking about these measures lasting years and years where they're paying back the cost. So I, I think it's an incredibly important area. Um, to be to be looking at, maybe something the institute would get into. <laughs> Thank you for your your efforts at the commission, and and I was particularly pleased to see the strategic thinking and the long term planning. That's very encouraging, and I'm sure we all support this. Now, one question that comes to mind is you mentioned this law that says that within 40 years we have to cut the things down by a factor of 10, which seems very ambitious, and Obviously, there's, a, there's, I mean, passing the law is one thing. Convincing the taxpayers and the consumers to go along with that is another. And, and I'm reminded of this uh, 
maybe painful example of a few years back when I believe there was a law that was passed that said that we were all, or a large number of us would be driving electric cars by now, which was, didn't quite happen, uh, obviously. So how do we make sure that we can actually achieve these goals? Uh, what have we learned from, pre -past, uh, from the past to make sure that, that it will happen, and, and how do we make sure this goes as efficiently as possible? Um, I'll take the short answer. We have a plan, <laughs> so we at least know from year to year where we're going, and we think, as you said, strategically long-term about it. We need to be willing to admit mistakes, I think. Um, some things that we're going to be trying are not going to work, and we've got to have feedback mechanisms that give us that information sooner rather than later. We need to have continued political will. Um, with the electric vehicles, uh, there, was some in, there was initially, let's make it happen, but for any number of reasons, it wasn't sustained. And, you know, we're all excited. We've never seen so much interest and support for energy efficiency, but we need to keep that up. Uh, this is just really the down payment on where we need to go. So I think it's a combination of, of all of those factors. I, I'm hopeful that... Um, we're really starting to see a large critical mass of um, people and businesses and investments in energy efficiency. And so I think that will provide the momentum that we need to keep going. But, but let me um, just give one example that we have this huge level of interest nationally because in the stimulus package, we ramped up the energy efficiency money flowing from Washington at least tenfold. That money is scheduled to go away in two years. Um, in my mind, it should not. In my mind, the level of energy efficiency funding coming from Washington, D.C., to the states, to the private business, to local governments, is really about the minimum of what should be done if this is going to be a serious endeavor that this country is doing. So that's, that's an immediate political issue that needs to be thought about which is in two years, sort of this great momentum that we've started is scheduled to end. And how are we going to stop that from happening? It's, it's going to take some real serious effort because I personally think if all that we have done is um, start a two-year funding effort at the federal level and it goes away, we're going to lose a tremendous amount of momentum. One. Diane, thank you very much. Um, some of these comments talking about what is essentially incentivizing the progress that we know we have to have. Um, there is certainly, I think, an education that has gone around regarding the consequences of climate change. With that in mind, isn't it true that the ratepayer would be willing to assume more of the burden? You mentioned a small fee that we pay every month. But given the consequences, shouldn't the ratepayer just be able to step up? It's not just for businesses, but because everyone is going to benefit if this is solved correctly. It just seems that uh, I, I keep looking for each and every one of us to have the opportunity to contribute because I think the education is there, and I, and I just think that we should be asking that this is now the time to step up and be bold. And I go one step further. Why are we seeing so many people willing to spend ten and $20,000 on solar panels and we don't see anything like that in energy efficiency? <laughs> um, and moreover, 
If you put all that solar panel on, then it may make it more difficult to be doing the energy efficiency. There is um, a lot of fascinating work being done on behavioral changes and energy efficiency. And again, I think it's one of the most interesting, most important areas at the academic level uh, to be getting into, that there is an annual conference in California, though this year it's going to be back in Washington, D.C., and each year it's you know growing by hundreds of folks. Um, because energy efficiency makes sense. We need people to do it. Yes, we need to get things into mandatory codes and standards, and it's stupid to be selling inefficient refrigerators. We should just be selling efficient refrigerators. Um, but there's a whole nother level of the voluntary aspect that has to happen, should happen, and is not happening. Um, I'll just close by saying one of the things that I think um, is really an opportunity that we've got to be thinking about is the community that the research is showing that you tend to do things because whatever is your self-defined community, they are doing it. And there are leaders in, within the community who influence you. Um, uh, you know, why did everybody wake up and decide that they wanted, you know, an iPod or why? I mean, it's because of both marketing but also within communities. And so we are, um, I, uh, I'll just talk briefly about in California in our low income programs, we're actually going to be starting a concept that we call the whole neighborhood approach which is with the utilities and the community-based organization targeting neighborhoods that have a combination of um, a lot of low-income residents who we know qualify for the programs, and then also high usage rates so that we know that's a priority place. But then really working on within that community, how do you get the leaders within the community um, uh, part of the effort, how do you get the word out to people within the community, and how do you make it a sense of this is what the community is going to be doing, say, over the next six months or a year. And then we can, working with the utilities, have the programs go in and literally building by building by building do the retrofits. But it's a huge amount of, um, again, where people feel like this is just what we do. And this is something that is part of being, you know, a good, what our behavior norms are. And, and I think it's, it's absolutely something that we've got to think about and we've got to pursue. And as I say, we've just got to make this a way of life of what we're doing and that people say, you know, this is what I do. This is part of who I am. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.